Welcome. We trust you will be encouraged by this message from Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, presented by Chavda Ministries International. Real love, real people, real power. Hallelujah. We are going to turn to the Gospel of John, Joel, chapter 2. <laughs> it's almost, it's so powerful after the book of Acts. Joel for me is part of the Gospels almost, but in the Bible. Joel chapter 2, verse 15 onwards, says, Blow the trumpet in Zion, sanctify a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, sanctify the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, and those that suck the breasts, let the bridegroom go forth of his chamber and the bride out of her closet. Let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep between the porch and the altar. Let them say, Spare thy people, O Lord. Give not thine inheritance to reproach, that the heathen should rule over them. Wherefore should they say among the people, Where is their God? Then will the Lord be jealous for his land and pity his people. Yea, the Lord will answer and say unto his people, Behold, I will send you corn and wine and oil. You shall be satisfied therewith, and I will no more make you a reproach among the heathen. But I will remain far off from you, the northern army, and will drive him into a land barren and desolate with his face toward the east sea and his hinder part toward the utmost sea and his stink shall come up and his ill savor shall come up because he had done great things. Fear not, O land, be glad and rejoice for the Lord will do great things. Be not afraid, ye beasts of the field, for the pastures of the wilderness do spring, for the tree beareth her fruit, the fig tree and the vine do yield their strength. Be glad then, ye children of Zion. Rejoice in the Lord your God, for he hath given you the former rain moderately, and he'll cause to come down for you the rain, the former rain and the latter rain in the first month. And the floor shall be full of wheat, and the fat shall overflow with wine and oil. And I'll restore to you the years that the locusts had eaten, the cankerworm, and the caterpillar and the palmer worm, my great army which I sent among you, and you shall eat in plenty and be satisfied. And praise the name of the Lord your God that hath dealt wondrously with you. My people shall never be ashamed. Thank you, Lord. We're going to pause here. And this is a time of the changing of the seasons. We're going to jump into fall and we're going to start with the, what they call Labor Day and the Labor Day picnics and a lot of things. But I'm so glad we could be together to honor the Lord. And that's one of the chief things we are doing at this time is we're turning our hearts at a very strategic time as a group of people, not just individuals. That is something that I do want to underline. It is 
important for us to seek the Lord individually, but it is also imperative and it is scriptural for us as a corporate group to turn our faces towards God and seek his face and humble ourselves. If my people, Second Chronicles 7 says, will humble themselves and repent and call on my name and turn from their wicked ways, I will hear from heaven. By, in the Bible, humbling is often equated with fasting. And so we have done this over the years, but this is a very, very strategic and important year for us. So we as a people are turning our hearts first to the Lord and saying, Lord, hear our cry. And we turn from our own ways and turn to you. We ask on behalf of ourselves, our children, and our nation that you will turn us from yes. wickedness. Yes. And a lot of people are suffering from yokes, yeah. whether it is inflation, whether it is crime, whether it is drug addiction, all kinds of wicked powers have tried to encroach over our nation. Yet, this is a great nation. Yes. We have a great foundation and a great constitution. It guarantees our freedoms and it guarantees us being allowed to come together, worship the living God, read the Word of God. And so we honor the Word of God here. And at this season also, as a body, we want to be able to encourage each other in saying we are, as it says in the book of Joel, blow a trumpet at Zion and call a fast, call a solemn assembly and turn, starting from the priests on. But it's all, all of us. And uh, so, and the word here, the Lord says, and I will restore to you the years, the kankawam, the pomawam, the locusts have eaten. And I want to understand, underline a few little pointers that I was a very young man starting, beginning to start. In fact, I had not started yet. But in the early 70s, 71, 72, I started turning towards the Lord and had in 72 got the news that my mother was dying of cancer. She, uh, at that time, I was, my whole family, we at one time lived in Kenya. It was a colony, British colony. India was a British colony. And my dad was educated and he immigrated uh, to Kenya, where he worked in the education department. And uh, so, but at a certain time, when I was over here, came over here, the rest of my family, because we were all British citizens, there were major things happening, uh, and violence was running rampant in Kenya, and so they moved 
to England, and so my mother was in England when I heard um, that she had bone cancer, and still only one prayer was that she would see me before she died. And often, what you see is a negative, God will turn it into much more of a positive than you ever dreamt of. And my negative was I didn't even have, have, have enough money to. I was in Lubbock, Texas, going to Texas Tech University doing graduate studies. Didn't have much money. Didn't have enough money to afford to fly to London, England. And at that time, God came. I was broken, wept for three days, couldn't stop crying. And especially because of my mother's condition. And on the third night, I was taken. Basically, now I look back, and I was in the, I was in heaven. Uh, I saw amazing things, and then Jesus came and laid his hands on me, called me my br his brother. And then the glory of the Lord, the Holy Spirit, went through my body, and I was shaking and vibrating all night long. And when I woke up, I was woke. I woke it up. I never have woken up like this, but my hands were clasped, and I was in prayer, and I was singing out loud, and I woke myself up. But I was singing in tongues praises to God, and couldn't stop all day, just speaking in tongues, and I, I didn't know what was happening to me, and I remember uh, a couple of days later I went to. At night, we had graduate courses at night also, and I went to a Catholic nun. I knew she would be spiritual. <laughs> Esther, <laughs> this is happening to me. What do you think? Am I going crazy? And she said, praise the She started jumping up and down, and she said, praise the Lord, brother. You've been baptized in the Holy Ghost. And so it was a Catholic nun who told me what had happened to me. And... Uh, but in that time, then God told me to pray for my mother. And I was a trained debater and had, uh, had gotten the award for being the best spontaneous uh, speaker in the United States. A debate at Harvard, Yale, and Cornell, my little small private Baptist university. And uh, the I debated with God and said, she's over there, I'm here, how do you, how do I pray for her? And then I started learning slowly to pray for her healing and basically the Holy Spirit argued with me and said, you pray, I'm the healer. And so I prayed and a few days later I got the news, my mother had been completely healed of cancer, the bone, and she lived 26 more years and in the meantime, I got the chance to lead her to Jesus Christ. And she was a committed believer in Jesus for the rest of her life, 26 more years. And so this started an adventure. But I, I went a few days later, applied. I had some qualifications. And so I was employed very quickly by the state school there. It was a 
for special, uh, very, very autistic children. There was a different uh, word used at that time. But there was a school uh, established by the state of Texas. And I was used to train severely autistic children in behavior modification, teaching them. These were some that didn't know how to use the bathroom, basic things. And we would set up programs to teach all of them. And so um, one of my students that was given to me was uh, a child with severe Down syndrome, 16 years old, who was a constant mutilator, beat himself, and was crippled. And while I was training him, I heard the voice of the Lord very loudly. I remember I had graduated from a Bible university, gotten a bachelor's degree. And uh, yet, this was very unfamiliar to me. And I heard the voice of the Lord clearly say, and it's in Matthew 17, 21. Jesus, the words of Jesus, how be it this kind cometh not out, but except through prayer and fasting. And so that was the Lord speaking to me, saying this kind, that oppression over that boy with Down syndrome, if I would fast, God would do something. And I started fasting. I didn't know what that was, how to do it. And so I did not drink, even drink any water for three days. And believe me, it's quite a challenge. And uh, I remember one of my co-workers just flushed the toilet and came out of the bathroom. And I turned to him, I remember very clearly, said, you know, you could be drinking that water. And uh, so my mind was so focused on drinking water. On the fourth day, the Lord said I could drink water. And, but went on to fast for 14 days. Then I heard the Lord say, pray for Stevie. And uh, I took him to a little area away from other people. It was a larger size, but a place where I could be private. And I said, Stevie, I'm a servant of the Lord. Now I command that spirit of oppression over you all these many years to be gone from you. And there was a, seemed like power against power, conflict right there. And suddenly his body was thrown almost 18 feet away from me. It was so powerful and so noticeable. You couldn't just, it was not subtle. And then he, he was, he went, I mean, it was struck against a wall and then was slid down and let this big sigh and a breath that smelled, I mean, it filled the room of rotting eggs and burning sulfur. And I found that that thing had left him. And I came, untied his hands, came to him. And this was when you saw him, if his hands were not tied, he would con constantly beat himself. 
and he was not driven. First time ever. And he put his hands to his face and started weeping. And he, it connected in his mind that he was not beating himself. And then I went up to him and helped uh, hold his hand and said, Stevie, let's see if we can walk. And his hand, his legs, which were crooked, straightened up, and he started walking. And I realized that that mutilating spirit was gone from him, and he started walking. And this was some of the first times that the Lord started, in a sense, I was in the school of the Holy Spirit. And uh, so in at that time then, uh, in a few months, I was asked by a committee of elders at a church in Leveland, Texas, uh, about an hour's drive from Lubbock, where I was, and they asked me to be the senior pastor. And so that's again, started the adventure. And Bonnie started attending the church. And uh, I was, she phoned me one Christmas and said, Jesus came and visited me and told me I was going to get married. And I, I was, as a young pastor, I felt very responsible for the young people who were attending our church. And I would pray for them and meet them with them, especially on Thursday nights. Uh, and so when I heard, heard her on the phone, I said, Honey, I've been praying for you uh, and praying for a godly husband. I didn't know I was praying for myself. <laughs> and she was so dynamically in love with Jesus and in love with the Bible. And she was, I mean, so, such a, some would call it fanatic, but she loved the Lord. And I thought it, inside I said, this is a dangerous woman. And uh, um, whoever marries her, He's going to ask for a real challenge. And found out a few months later, the Lord said, it's you. <laughs> uh, so, but that, before, during that time, before I married her, I went on, I started doing certain fastings because I knew there were answers that the Lord would give that I would see amazing things happen. And uh, I was, one time there was a man that was my acquaintance, a good friend from Texas Tech, who was having a hard time quitting cigarettes. He just constantly smoked. And he said, I don't know, do you have an answer? I, I'm so desperate to stop cigarettes, my wife hates it, and I can't stop. And I, I knew that if you prayed and fasted and broke that thing, that would perhaps shatter that thing. And I went on a seven-day fast. It, at that time, God seemed to have given me grace to uh, fast and pray. So... I remember I was a pastoring 
and that went on a 40-day fast. But the weekend before, I'd gone to, there was a big store like Harris Teeter over there called Skaggs Albertsons and bought that they would have a big giant p- potato s- chips bag that was for a whole family. And I bought this whole family bag, potato chips. And uh, when I was, <laughs> as I started the fasting, the potato chips were there in my apartment, my house. And they started speaking to me. <laughs> and so as I fasted, I mean, I had great grace to fast. But I could almost hear the potato chips saying, why are you ignoring us? We are salty. We are crispy. And described themselves, I felt like. And I remember fasting for 18 days. On the 18th day, I broke. And I went into the kitchen area and tore open potato chips bag and ate every one of them. This is a big potato chip bag. And that's some of my adventure of as I started fasting and praying. So I remember the first time that I actually was at Mahesh's apartment when he he was my pastor. (coughs) And occasionally um, we, a number of us would be invited to have lunch with him. But um, I remember the first time that I opened the refrigerator in that apartment and there was nothing in it except these stacks of s- the small size empty lemon yogurt containers. That was all. And there, there must have been 50 or 100 of them in there. And it was you know, after we were married and we started our adventure together, that what Mahesh would do on these extended fasts, and he would fast at least two 40-day fasts and typically four 21-day fasts every year. So the man was like fasting half of the year. But what he would do generally on water, sometimes hot tea and stuff, but occasionally what he would do is he would take a little spoonful of yogurt if he, you know, had something where he needed a little extra brain power or whatever. And so the entire repertoire of his refrigerator were these little empty, and why he was saving them, I do not know, for some apocalyptic something or other. But um, they were in there, and I was, this is an unusual man indeed. But yeah, so we, we had the the opportunity of being in the midst of a lifestyle because of the grace that God gave Mahash. And I knew, and of course, you know, our close friends knew, um, and then, you know, wherever he would end up having to keep commitments and things and not actually be eating, a few people would know. But the Lord wouldn't let him actually teach about it as a preacher or something like that until he had done it for 20 years. And um, I remember the, the first time that you actually taught about it was at our church in Fort, La- uh, Fort Lauderdale, Good News, Good News Fellowship. But um, someone 
just asked us a couple of days ago, a friend uh, who actually is a very um, uh, powerful civil rights attorney, longtime uh, uh, lawyer, successful lawyer from another state. And we saw them recently, and they were asking, uh, the, this gentleman especially was asking Mahesh about fasting. And the question that he put to us was interesting because he said, um, in, in your fasting, uh, do you find that it has given you more spiritual power? And Mahesh and I looked at each other and realized that in our entire history of fasting, we never thought of it as a quest for power. It was literally, really always the opposite. It was, it was to present ourselves before the Lord in such a way that he could disempower us, if you would, of everything carnal of ourselves and all of those other things that we tend to bring that might be hindrances to our successful Christian walk or service to him completely. And our view of fasting was completely the opposite. And I think that one of the secrets that we found is what is presented to us in the nature and character of God, the way he goes about his business, where he says, in your weakness, my strength is perfected. And fasting is one of the unique elements that in and of itself, practicing fasting, and especially together, is probably the most powerful form of spiritual warfare. And yet, in a mystery that is typical of God, when we're in a fast and what is being exercised, what is being loosed, is that gathering of the authority and the proclamation of God over all other gods, over all other powers, over everything else. And yet, the warriors in the midst of that are in their weakest, if you will, the most depleted of physical and even perhaps mental and other you know, spiritual activity. But again, what does he say? Remember Paul, the Apostle Paul, um, when he was you know, wrestling with the Lord about this literal messenger of Satan that was buffeting him, tormenting him, would not leave him alone. And apparently it was literally because of Paul's tremendous revelation and spiritual authority and there was this messenger. And I personally know that Paul's, Paul understood and moved in the realms of spiritual authority and all of those things so clearly. I personally don't believe that it was some kind of a physical infirmity. I believe it's what he said it was, a messenger of Satan that was you know, harassing him. Um, and he said, but you know what? I asked the Lord three times, get this thing off of me. He said, Paul, my grace is sufficient. So he had learned to walk in this state that you might consider real opposition, continual in a way, contention against him. And yet in, in that mode, he was standing upright with a clear eye and preaching the gospel. And that wasn't the thing overwhelming him. He, in his weakness, the power of Christ was resting upon him and he was prevailing in that way. So Jesus fasted. He taught fasting. He showed it to his um, disciples. 
it, it was his first response to th that moment of his revealing to Israel after his baptism. But he also said that when, uh, you know, because at a certain point, the religious people who were doing it religiously challenged Jesus and his disciples because he seemed to always be going around to the sinner's houses, feasting and drinking and various other things. And he said, when the bridegroom is taken away, my, the friends of the bridegroom, my disciples will fast. And we are now in this open uh, era, if you will, of, of being joined to him in his throne in heaven, and the extension of that throne on earth is his church. And in that context, one of the tools that we have at our hand is fasting, and especially corporate fasting. It's a powerful, powerful weapon, and we have many testimonies that the ease in fasting comes not necessarily when you're out there on your own doing it, but where there's an atmosphere of many who are joining in. So as we get ready to embark on this period of 40 days of fasting, you, you don't have to fast the entire thing, but you could. You could choose to do without certain things that you love a lot but aren't necessary, and you could choose to, you know, put those things away. You can choose a type of fasting or a duration of days or whatever or partial fasting every day. But let's join as a symphony together. And for all of our friends and family who watch us regularly on time online, we invite you to participate. There is a place, I think, on our website where you can sign up and let us know you're fasting together with us. But we are going to join in a harmony that is in the way that Joel spoke of. In the Bible, fasting was called for particularly in times that the people of God realized that the nation as a whole around them had departed from the Lord and departed from his ways and had therefore positioned the whole society and future and inheritance in a very uh, shaky place, in a, a very risky place. And so for the sake of their children and grandchildren, they would come together and uh, in Joel, that blow the trumpet, it was an emphatic call that the trumpets would ring out across the land. And Israel understood this is a warning of some kind. We need to turn our face to the temple and see what the leaders, see what the word of the Lord is, see what they're saying in this hour, and join together. And so fasting was one of those things in times of crisis. And it's also um, seen in uh, the New Testament of a regular practice, particularly of the leaders and, you know, the people who are called to ministry, that they would engage in regular fasting in order to stay on track and in order to lead God's people together. So this is a, an exciting and beautiful time, and if you've never fasted before, we invite you into the adventure. Remember just to do it in the grace that God gives you. Yeah, and that means, and the word grace is really important, I remember. I had the the grace, but my our mentor and spiritual dad, who was Brother Derek Prince, yeah. he he didn't have that grace to do longer fast. The longest he had ever gone was fourteen days. He said, yeah. and because he he just his body couldn't do it. So it, it's different. People have different graces. Go by grace, but we can all do one day a week. We can do vegetables. You can eat a salad. Uh, I talk about this much more in detail in my book, which has been a bestseller 
and been translated in 40 languages called The Hidden Power of Prayer and Fasting. It is really among the best books. I was not allowed to even write about it and all that until about 20 years had passed of this constant every year, 42, 40 day fast, four 21 day fasts. And I did it as a discipline and it was no problem. I mean, it, it was just the Lord wanted to restore this to the church and uh, it is important. And uh, this is, this kind of gives you a little bit of training for your own individual. If you have difficulties like we had in our individual lives, our son Ben was born and he had severe kidney problems and they thought he would die. Kidneys, I found out, are as important as your heart. And if they stop functioning, they you could you could die after a few days, and so <coughs> both Bonnie and I fasted, but it was more an individual thing. And uh, but God answered our prayer, and amazingly, His X-rays changed, and God did supernatural things that were just amazing. Yeah. Uh, and another time was our fourth child, Aaron, who was a very preemie, preemie, and he he was weighed less than a pound, and you can hardly believe how small he was. Well, and, and he was very very sick. That's the. <laughs> that's it wasn't true. like he he was okay and just needed to to grow. He was. And in was fact, his sick. testimony was read in the Florida State Legislature, that's right. and how in all of those things when it looked l- nearly impossible, God turned it around. And he is now um, almost, he's a muscle man. And <laughs> uh, it's like he could star in a Marvel movie and be a hero. But this, we have helped many people in uh, praying for their situations, certain critical situations that we turn to the Lord and pray for the turnaround. And we have seen amazing miracles that are families we have prayed for who couldn't get pregnant and God suddenly would turn it around and it, um, there are story after story we share some of them in the book but I would like to refer to uh, another scripture in uh, Ezra chapter 8 and that also is an example of uh prayer and fasting but it is corporate again and so this is this what we start on the 6th on Tuesday uh, Labor Day we're going to go 40 days but you can do it eat vegetables during the time have no dessert different ways that the Lord will honor it you may want to do away with a certain kind of meat however you do it just be relaxed and you could do just seven days that you're going to seek God's face but put it in this time frame uh, and there are certain things you know if you watched uh, the President Biden's speech what was it on Thursday and uh, 
it was quite an experience to see him <laughs> with the red lights and the soldiers behind him. And at any mo moment, I expect the stormtroopers to mm -hmm. jump out and start arresting people. Mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> but it, yeah. uh, but it showed our eyes are on the Lord, not on Washington D.C. And we have many issues that we pray, and one of the major issue is elections. That. If people don't turn up, we will deserve the kind of government we get. So, and it, it is some of the extreme stuff is happening that we can barely believe that a lot of states, the children have been almost absconded with by public systems, school system, where children, have, from what we understand, have been castrated they have been mutilated such a way that they cannot have puberty, that eventually may not be able to have children, um, all kinds of major stuff. But we want to pray the Lord will turn it around, that our children belong to the Lord and belong to the parents, but not the school system. And we have inflation that is some of the worst we have ever experienced. Uh, we have a border that's broken, that hundreds of thousands are walking across with all kinds of uh, infirmities and all kinds of drugs being imported, and that one of the major ways that young people are being killed, almost 100,000 each year, is with the importation of illegal, of fentanyl and other drugs. So these are major issues that we are going to address during this fast. That Lord, we humble ourselves and ask you to answer. And I want to tell you, as young men, I remember I was in the Texas Tech graduate school, student union, uh, and I heard the news where the U.S. Supreme Court started allowing abortions. And I, I remember so clearly where I was when the news came. Yeah. And I, we have prayed about God defending the unborn for year after year after year, almost 49 years. And suddenly it turned around because of quite a bit, because we elected a president before, not this one, that chose Supreme Court justices who are very sympathetic to saving lives. And it, it certainly is a testimony of the power of the prayers of the church we're suddenly in the course of one administration in our particular nation with the church praying for all of those years concerning this one scenario and for a particular president to get in who was able to appoint three Supreme Court justices. That in and of itself in our regular flow of things in, in our administration or in our national government process was nothing short 
of help from God for that many who are at least purportedly originalists, which is the important thing. And that Dobbs decision was about restoring the foundation of what the Constitution says, not, not giving by law the right or taking away the right for women, but it was returning to what rights are actually in the Constitution. And it is not circumstance, but the, the right to abort a child was something that was inserted and added into, and it is not a law, it was never made a law. And so that's one of, of the battles that we find ourselves in, because now the battle will be pitched, um, and, and we'll see it most manifest on the surface of our society, and, and particularly, once again, in the upcoming elections, you know, this will be, be one of the things. But if you think back to the conditions in, throughout Scripture, in the Old Testament especially, is where we see this event of the people of God suddenly awakening or being called by the trumpet blast to awaken and responding in unison with fasting and prayer and repentance, it was because the nation had given itself over to idolatry and the worship of other gods beside the Lord departing from his ways where they were sacrificing their children. They were giving their children over either in direct sacrifice or to foreign ideologies to grow up apart <coughs> from the Lord or there was massive invasion from foreign peoples who were coming in to take over the, the inheritance of the land and then persuade the people in the land to adopt strange idols or there was a plague or there was a famine. And if you think about those basic elements, we are there today as a nation and all of them have converged together. So this is a time that calls for fasting because of the crisis, honestly, because of the crisis and because the Lord is helping us to see. And this is, it is focused quite a bit on that in about two months' time, approximately, we're going to have elections, major national elections, and there will be local elections, too. And <coughs> our sister Leah is one of the examples, she's running for a school board in Charleston. These are really, I didn't realize how important the school board was. We, I remember Bonnie going to many of these meetings in this for the city uh, where Charlotte area, this area, is very Christian, and yet those on attending the on the surface. Religious. And yet those in attendance would mostly be from the LGBT persuasion and uh, very, very Marxist, liberal. And you would say, where are the Christians? And uh, it seemed like some, it was like we were put to sleep. We, the, we had the right, and yet they would not show up. So we, it's, I'm glad that Scripture says, blow the trumpet in Zion. Call a solemn assembly. And I'm glad that I'm glad that people who believe in the Lord, believe in the values of the Bible, who love their children, who are parents or grandparents or great-grandparents, that we will show an interest and turn things around and pray. And there's another example. There was a few examples. I just wanted to me mention, of course, that the individuals 
examples of Jesus himself and Paul and the apostles uh, proclaiming a fast and doing uh, mighty things. Acts 13 is where the early church, Acts 13, Acts 14, early church meets and does things, but in the atmosphere of prayer and fasting, they do and they determine who to choose, etc. But here in uh, Ezra chapter 8, it is finally the time has arrived just as Daniel uh, believed and others prophets for the 70-year exile mm -hmm. to be finished and for some of the remnant of Israel to return back to Jerusalem. But it was, Jerusalem was in a very pitiful condition. The walls have been broken down. The city had been burned. So they are coming so that the city and the places of worship would be restored. And But on the road, they were afraid they would be meeting with terrorists and bandits. And they, were, and they had their families, they had their children, their wives. And so. And they had all of the treasures that the king had given them to take home and restore. So they were very vulnerable in every single way. And in that vulnerability, Ezra found the right kind of direction, what, how to lead the people. So here it says in verse 21, Then I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Ahava that we might afflict ourselves. They're basically another way of saying fast. Before our God to seek of him a right way for us and for our little ones for all our substance, for I was ashamed to require of the king a band of soldiers and horsemen to help us against the enemy in the way, because we had spoken unto the king, saying, The hand of our God is upon all them for good that seek him, but his power and his wrath is against all of them that forsake him. So we fasted and besought our God for this, and he was entreated of us, that is, God answered our prayer and <laughs> gave us a safe journey all the way back to Jerusalem. So this is another occasion where God's people gather together too. And so we are humbling ourselves. Our first week, we humble ourselves before the Lord and repent and seek his face. Lord, we are turning. You, our answer is not in government. It's not as much though we need to be active because we have those rights and since our people don't show up then the atheists and Marxists take over and it has become so terrible that children that parents who are concerned about their children's education and who are being taught all these kinds of strange things where they would even question their own sexuality and they would open themselves for castration. Ten-year-olds and, and uh, boys and girls being almost kidnapped by these demonic values that we want to claim our children. We want to claim back our grandchildren yes. that they are not yeah. going to serve Amen. mammon. They are not going to serve Amen. a demon god 
they are going to serve the living God. His name is Jesus. So Esther, the book of Esther is another example you find where they are in a critical situation. The authorities have made it easy. Haman is demonic plans for really destroying all the Jewish people. And I believe Satan was behind all of this because he suspected something was going to happen. And of course, the Savior is about to come on the scene. Jesus himself is going to be born. And in the coming months, we'll be celebrating the awesomeness of the birth of Jesus. But Esther is one of the, it's a, I'm so blessed that not only is there a man, but a woman who is a great spiritual leader. And she here in Esther uh, chapter 4, verse 16, it says, Esther tells the servants uh, to tell Mordecai, go and gather together all the Jews of Susa and fast for me. Say fast for me. Fast for me. So we do fast for each other. And it's scriptural. And we have had, for example, the last few days, key people. Ruth Parker, by the way, had a major surgery. Yeah. And she's recovering. Amen. Praise Amen. God on her back. That's good. Praise <laughs> the Lord. And uh, yeah. Carol and Peter Jagu's in-laws, their mom had a major back surgery. And she's on the road to recovery. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Came. Thank you, Jesus. But these are all issues that are people who battle different challenges. And these kind of corporate, and by the way, at the end, sometime around this time of fasting and prayer, we're going to gather a whole bunch of oil and pray over it and use it in the coming days to anoint people with oil. Because that woman who came for prayer for her back drove three and a half hours so that uh, we could anoint her with oil and pray for her before the day. The day she came the day before the sur yeah. major surgery. But here it says, go and gather together all the Jews and fast for me. Do not eat or drink. This is one of the severe fasts. So you don't have to do this. But I want you to know there are different, in the scriptures you will see different fasts. So in the book of Daniel, you will find the Daniel fast, which is he does not eat any pleasant food, basically eats vegetables, does not eat meat or dessert. That's what our research found out. But here it's Esther in three days that would not eat or drink. And then, though it is against the law, I will go in to see the king. If I must die, I must die. So Mordecai went away and did everything as Esther had ordered him. So here again, you see a corporate fast, a major fast of God's people humbling themselves and saying, God, hear our cry, save us. And God turned things around. It was a miracle of God. And they were able to defend themselves and save themselves. Amen. So the two, I think we could say in two major ways, 
Fasting is, spir- is powerful spiritual warfare, that advance. And fasting is the other uh, side of that coin, very powerful, that calls for the intervention of God when we are unable to advance. And so it's a very holistic um, uh, tool that God has given the church, has put in our hands. And it's one thing for, you know, unbelievers or even for believers to fast specifically for health purposes. So there are different kinds of fasting, and it's becoming very popular now to realize that human beings fasting, intermittent fasting and various other things, is extremely healthful. And that's why Daniel and his friends, if you remember in Scripture, it says that their countenance was brighter than all of those other young men who were eating... Uh, the king's food and drinking the wine and all of that stuff during that same period of time was because basically they went through detox and what, you know whatever they, they so their minds were clearer and their bodies you know were in better condition but the 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 element of fasting what we see is we see results say results and that's the testimony of scripture of fasting Because Joel, for instance, he says, and afterward, he says, you know, rend your hearts, not your garments. Return to me, weep and fast and pray. In other words, repent and fully enter in to the recognition of your own need for God, the nation's need for God, the inability for us to save ourselves, recognition of how far we've gone away. And in that context, then, it invokes the Lord's mercies. And there is always an answer. Say always an answer. An answer of intervention. And as, as Joel says, um, for he is gracious and return to the Lord your God. For he is gracious and merciful. Say grace, grace. and mercy for ourselves, for our families, for the church for our nation, for our cities, grace and mercy, slow to anger and of great kindness. Say great kindness. And if you think about the atmosphere of the political atmosphere and the social climate and social media, I would say the farthest, it is the absolute expression of being the farthest away from great kindness right now. And even in the president's speech, it was a threatening, uh, just dialectic against a particular group of people, which is absolutely unheard of. And it indicated very clearly that the ideas that are giving the puppet the things to say are evil ideas, and they are destructive, they are violent, they are antagonistic, and intentionally directed at destroying they're human enemies. Well, as the church, Paul said it, we're not fighting against the people, but we're recognizing their powers behind the, the uh, ideas and the acts of the people. And we are appealing to the one who has all authority and binding those powers that they would fall, be loosed from the influence of the people in order you know, to give us, give us that victory. Yeah, and, and Paul ha- said we wrestle not. Right. against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities, evil spirits in the dark places. So there are evil spiritual forces. But who will stand for your children? Who will stand for your grandchildren? You will. Yeah. We will together. Yes. Yeah. And tell the devil, take your hands off our children. They belong to Jesus. They belong to their parents. But 
you by gum, whatever, <laughs> you will not castrate our oh children. Jesus you will Christ not do harm to any of them. And the boys testimony or girls. of Scripture is that afterwards, say afterwards, always afterwards, God intervenes and leaves behind a blessing. And that is the sure promise that we have. So even immediately as we, these next few weeks, fast together, know that the end of this is the response of heaven to our response to God in this particular time. And even if you do like Tuesday, Wednesday, we start, we're going, we're going for 40 days. Doesn't mean, again, let me say, you got to fast all 40 days. You could if you just, you, I mean, if you say, oh, I'm going to eat beans and legumes and salads and all that for 40 days, that's fine. Or do something. Daniel just don't, did not eat pleasant food, but he, that, was a, that was called a Daniel fast. We are adjustable in whichever way. Seek the face of the Lord. And I say this, not just for our All Nations Church, yeah. but for those watching us on the web, uh, declare that fast among your people, declare that in your family, others saying, this week we're going to seek the face of God for the Lord to give us a turnaround and a revival. May the Lord give us supernatural p protection from this pestilence Amen. called COVID. That our yes, Lord. We and our children, we don't have to bow our knee that our children will not have to perpetually wear masks and be afraid of this weapon that some people consider a bio-warfare weapon that was loosed from China, maybe over the nations and especially about the United States. It tried to harm us. It tried to destroy lot of large portions of our economy. But we are looking at the Lord to turn it around. Yes. That people are not going to buy into lies and deceptions. Um, and so we say, again, I want to say, point to you to uh, 1 Chronicles 7, uh, verse 14 says that if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and I'll forgive their sin and will heal their land. Amen. That's an awesome yes. promise Thank you, Jesus. from the living God to us yes. that if we humble ourselves, and that is prayer and fasting, that he will heal and that we turn from our wicked ways and we want to break the yokes of addiction, break the yokes of fentanyl. We want to break the yokes of crime in our large cities. And you, you have seen some of the videos of just demonic attacks against people, innocent people. And we want to bind that thing and that evil power. And the way God has given us the way, we turn to God. And we are grateful for police and those who abide by the law. But above all, we are turning to the living God to give us that provision 
in the name of Jesus. Amen. And afterward, Joel said, I, the Lord said through Joel, I will pour out my spirit. So the aftermath of fasting are times of refreshing directly from the presence of the Lord for us individually, for our families, for our communities, for our city and nation. So as we go together, we are humbling ourselves that the Lord might raise us up and, and save our children. Save one of the premier examples is we'll kind of wind things up in a little bit and uh, turn to the Lord communion. The, the theme of the first week, we're going to just simply humble ourselves before God yeah. and repent on behalf of our nation. Uh, we are believing for all this, so if you remember to pray for all of those, it's fine. But we begin with humbling ourselves and turning, turning. Say turning. Turning. We are turning to the living God. Yeah. We're turning to the Lord Jesus he is the premier prayer and faster, the premier leader who is leading us today. So he's alive, he's resurrected, and he's and the Holy Spirit is giving us the anointing and the power. It says in the the scripture I began with, and there then I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh, and your sons and your record daughters will uh Prophesy. Prophesy and be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. Jesus himself said in Acts chapter 1, you shall receive power after the Holy Spirit's come upon you. It's an amazing power. Some of us have experienced it. We want to pray, Lord, in the part of that 40-day fast, we want to pray for revival. Say revival. Revival. Say restoration. Restoration. Say outpouring. Outpouring. And when you see outpouring, it is, um, I remember one time the Lord, I was given, we were given some of the group I was with was, we were taken to across the Canadian border, right across a wonderful sanctuary wilderness area. And it was a place for hundreds of thousands of birds. And when the roost came at night, and then they started flying in, we were sitting, and all day we were hunting on the other side of the river. And when the birds came, it wasn't one or two. It was multiple thousands and thousands. So when the Holy Spirit comes and he gives us restoration and revival for our land, you will see multiple thousands and thousands yielding your lives to Jesus Christ and God reviving our cities. You can see how what a pitiful condition like several areas of Los Angeles and Portland and Seattle where there are people on addiction, uh, homeless people, and there are all kinds of stuff going on. And you think, you can't believe this is happening in the United States of America that all these homeless people are being just driven by addiction and by powers of darkness. And you find in Second Chronicles chapter 20, it says, uh, 
to the story about King Jehoshaphat and Judah. Then there came some about that told Jehoshaphat, saying, There cometh a great multitude against thee from beyond the sea on this side Syria. Behold, there be in Hazan Tamar, which is En Gedi. And Jehoshaphat feared because he realized there was such a giant armies coming towards him that would overwhelm them and defeat them. And he set himself to seek the Lord and proclaimed a fast throughout all Judah. So it wasn't just one place, but throughout all the kingdom of Judah. And Judah gathered themselves together to ask help of the Lord. Say, help of the Lord. Help of the Lord. And so we are declaring ourselves, we're going to humble ourselves over the next few weeks and seek the Lord. Humble ourselves because God is our answer and proclaim the fast throughout all Judah. And he gathered together to ask help of the Lord. Even out of all the cities of Judah that came to seek the Lord, and Jehoshaphat stood in the congregation of Judah and Jerusalem in the house of the Lord before the new court. And here you will see uh, a type of methodology. I could just preach on the whole. This is just next few verses. And he stood before the Lord. This is how we are approaching the Lord, saying, O Lord, God of our fathers, are you not God in heaven? And rulest not thou over all the kingdoms of the heathen? And in thine hand is there not power and might, so that none is able to withstand thee? And so we are extolling the Lord and making him big. Say, make him big. Shout it out. Make him big. So our God, and part of the thing I remember in Toronto Revival, where we used to go off and preach, it says, big God. Say, big God. <laughs> big God. And that was part of the impression they had during those times the Holy Spirit was coming. Our God is such a big God. You can't ever imagine how awesome he is. He knows the littlest of details because he, but yet he knows each and every one of us. And uh, Jehoshaphat says, O oh Lord God, our fathers, are you not God in heaven? Rulest not thou all the kingdoms of the heathen? Art not thou our God who didst drive out the inhabitants of this land before thy people Israel and gave us it to the seed of Abraham, thy friend, forever. And, th and they dwelt therein and have built thee a sanctuary therein for the name, thy name, saying, If when evil cometh upon us, as of the sword, judgment, or pestilence, or famine, yeah. we stand before this house and in thy presence, for thy name is in this house, and cry unto thee in our affliction. Then thou wilt hear and help. Now behold the children of Ammon and Moab and Mount Sire, whom thou wouldest not let Israel invade when they came out of the land of Egypt, but they turned from them, destroyed them not. Behold, I say, how they reward us to come to cast us out of thy possession which thou hast given us to inherit. O our God, will you not judge them? For we have no might against this great company that comes against us. Neither knew what we know what to do, but our eyes are upon thee, Lord. And all Judah stood before the Lord with their little ones, their wives and their children. And then upon the prophet, the word came, uh, the, came the Spirit of God, 
and said, Hearken ye all Judah and ye inhabitants of Jerusalem and thou king Jehoshaphat. Thus said the Lord unto you, be not afraid nor dismayed by reason of this great multitude. For the battle is not yours, but God's. Amen. And that's one of our prayers is we're going to humble ourselves. We're going to turn to the Lord. Remind him of his word. Lord, you have promised. And we remember our history. Therefore, it is important in the public school yeah. systems that disdain the history of the United States. But in our history, God has come many times and turned our nation around, and we want to remind him once again. And we do pray at this time also. We pray for the peace of Jerusalem, and we bless Israel too. We bless our country, the United States of America. And we pray every nation will look to the Lord, and we pray for God's blessing and restoration over Israel, that they will not be vulnerable to the enemy, continues to blast rockets across into Jerusalem and into Israel. And we pray God will be a shield to, them, to Israel. And of course, we are claiming blessing on our nation that the vile, lying spirits will be bound. That fraud in our elections, I have joked many times that I have more trust in the elections of Botswana and uh, Rwanda than I have in the not in the not too distant future American elections. May the Lord give us honest elections, and may the yes. people wake up and vote Amen. and turn things around and claim their children and their grandchildren for Jesus. There are a lot of things that are important, and remember our. Pa premier leader is Jesus Christ of Nazareth who said when do you fast say when you fast when you fast he did never said if you fast because he expected his believing Christian army to from time to time turn from their wicked ways and turn to him we are looking to the Lord so we have given a brief history of the past from, of course, Jesus to Ezra. Nehemiah, by the way, in that as you begin the book of Nehemiah, as he hears about the report about what's happened to Jerusalem, he weeps and turns to the Lord in fasting. So from Ezra to Nehemiah to Esther, we find, and then in the book of Daniel, if you have time in the coming days, turn to Daniel 9, and you see how he, it is time, he realizes yeah. prophetically, for God to do something mighty. And so, but even when you know God is going to do, that's a good time to fast and humble yourself and say, do it, Lord. Do it, and thank you. And uh, it's amazing how Daniel and his companions, the, the Hebrew children, uh, who are not burned in the fire. Uh, that'll be something. But here we are turning to the Lord in humility and thanksgiving. And remember also the examples of the early church in Acts 13. They turn to the Lord as they're choosing 
who do who are the leaders who are the apostles and where do they send them and they humble themselves and in the atmosphere of fasting and prayer then they send forth the apostles so we are going to have a victory like Amen. seldom seen Amen. god's going to give us Amen. miracles while you were sharing, this scripture came to my mind. It's from Jeremiah 32, verse 17. And it says, Ah, Lord God, behold, you have made the heavens and the earth by your great power and outstretched arm. There is nothing too hard for you. Amen. Say there's nothing too hard for our God. Praise the Lord. And uh, Mahesh, I, I, it was really interesting during worship. I had this very clear, unusual, and it really surprised me, the imagery. But I suddenly saw the picture of fireflies coming up and out. And, you know, we're worshiping the Lord, and I'm seeing this thing of fireflies. And I knew that the Lord was giving some kind of a, a symbol of us as these little bugs. And then when David read the scripture from Isaiah 58 about fasting, and it says, then your light will, will spring forth in the midst of the nation, and your healing will come about suddenly. And I, you know, I, I thought of these fireflies and the scripture about, um, you know, where Jesus uh, combines fasting with the idea of the bridegroom. And I know that, I think it's the fireflies that their light comes on, right, at, at a certain time of the evening. And it's, it's like a, an indicator that, of, I think, of the mating thing, whatever. But somehow the Lord was giving me this analogy about us as fireflies, individual fireflies, that he has ordained to shine brightly, and I feel like this fast, one of the things that's going to happen for us is we're going to receive fresh oil. You know, when you have a burning candle, for instance, you have to trim it, otherwise the burnt part of the wick that hangs on there will make the thing, the flame will be low, and it'll give off lots of smoke and all of that stuff. So I feel like this is a, a time of, like the, the parable of the virgins and the oil in their lamps. It's a time for us to trim the wick, to get all the extra stuff out of the way so that we're hearing clearly, but we're also speaking and showing forth clearly the testimony of our bridegroom in the midst of darkness, light in the midst of darkness. And I feel like that's one of the the uh, promises that the Lord has for us each individually and for our church and for this particular time of fasting that he is going to l brighten our light. Um, uh, both Daniel and Joel promise that the aftermath of fasting is an increase of spiritual clarity and revelation. And, and harvest power. and yeah. revival uh, and... Uh, you may want to recall that each year Israel has a special day called the Day of Atonement. It is also called Yom Kippur, or it's called the Fast. So that's a day that the whole nation fasts. And um, if you remember, I, I was in school at that time. I think I was in uh, sophomore or junior. But the Yom Kippur War, and I said, 
the enemies, Egypt and Syria and uh, Lebanon, they all united. They were going to invade, do all kinds of things to there hurt. Were five nations coming against yeah. little Israel. There was absolutely and no way. And even at Israel that time, withstand it. I knew war is them, because the one thing here are the people <laughs> nation fasting, them on their day of fast. humbling <laughs> themselves, and they fa on the fast day, they attack them. Say, "Oh man, Oopsie. God Himself is going to come down." <laughs> And beat the daylights out of yeah. you. Anyway, there were. And we heard firsthand from more than one people, Many. men who had been commanders on the field in some of those far outposts, uh, it as was they saw these massive battalions gathering on the desert floor all around, gathering to attack Israel. And I, I one one of our friends in particular, with just a, a few men that had been left as the main body had retreated to save people's lives. They'd been left in this little rocky um, outpost in front of, you know, one of these massive battalions. And of all things, suddenly the advance stopped and the white flags came out. And those guys were part of just a few Israeli soldiers who went down and literally took captive and prisoner of war these massive uh, lines of tank commanders and soldiers and stuff. And those guys that were taken uh, as prisoners of wars told the testimony again and again that they saw these mighty warriors there with and th they literally had surrendered to these great mighty warriors and it was just these little israeli guys but they were fasting and they're you know they're the princes of israel were and standing the giant up. angels yeah. showed up yeah it says in second chronicles 20 i just want to wind that up and it says and when the met the enemy when the, they, they began to sing and to praise the lord sent ambushments against the children of Ammon, Moab, and Mount Sire, the enemy army, which were come against Judah, and they were smitten. Say smitten. Smitten. So God <laughs> defeated the enemies of God's yeah. people, and God answered Jehoshaphat's prayer and Judah's fasting and prayer. Thank and I Jesus. know God's going to Thank answer you, our prayers yes, yes, and our yes. fasting. So today... We're going to dedicate this fast with uh, communion elements. We're going to take communion together as we determine to whenever the Lord leads sometime this week as you begin, choose a day or two, three days or a week that you will humble yourself and seek God's face. And we will have certain specific things we will pray but i kind of we have summarized some of the major issues we are facing you may also have personal things that you may add and if you have requests in your family uh that you need healing in a certain area or your daughter or uh, daughter-in-law needs to get a baby however you want to or a promotion or a job Write to us during this time and let us know and we will join our fast with yours and we will join together and where two or more agree together that they're just powerful stuff is going to be happening to you. Also, I did want to say that we 
because we went through this COVID thing and a uh, lot of the we there was difficulties meeting together in cell groups and etc cetera, etc cetera. we are rebirthing in a form in a different way and we're going to start meeting on Wednesday at seven o'clock to do Bible Bible study. Bible study. For just an hour. It will be very short and to the point. Um, we'll have Bible teaching for approximately 30 minutes. It will start right at 7. So uh, if you want to get in on the whole message for the evening, um, be here at 7. Be here before 7. And we'll, we hope to give opportunity also in that context for Q&A and discussion and, and delving into the word in a fresh and way. So you're all invited. Everyone is invited. And Bonnie. I'll kick it off. Because I, I, th I thought I might, but I'm not as good looking as her. Well, thank you for that. So <laughs> I've got, I learned everything anyway. I know from you. So <laughs> thank you. <laughs> I, you know, I, I, uh, you, many of you know that I, I love uh, to for us to um, incorporate as much as we can various uh, aspects of the arts in various ways because it enriches our lives. And, and I thought, I wonder how much art has actually been done on anything related to fasting. I have to tell you, not much. I found a hymn that is sung at Lent um, about fasting, it's very short, um, but uh, you know, there's not much to say about it. And the most beautiful thing I found of all things is by the 13th century poet Rumi. And at the end of he he actually writes a poem about fasting. Um, I will say because he was Islamic and they have a big fast of Ramadan all the time. So I mean, it was. But listen to the end of that poem. He says, fasting is Solomon's ring. Don't give, it, don't give it to some illusion and lose your power. But even if you have, if you've lost all will and control, they come back when you fast like soldiers appearing out of the ground, pennants flying above them. And here it is. A table descends to your tents, Jesus' table, spread with other food better than the broth of cabbages. Isn't that beautiful? Jesus' table descends. So we're going to eat. Better than the broth of cabbages? Well. Is that what it says? I gave you a good setup for communion. Thank you. And Jesus' table. Very much. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> Amen. Let's stand up. And. We will take communion. <laughs> if we can't stand up, it's okay. You can stay seated um, and relax. We are going to also, this is our day to have our Labor Day picnic. Yay. So after we take communion, we have prayer. Then you will be released. We bless the food. We the food. We're right. grateful for all of those Thank who have helped Jesus. and are helping today. Uh, we bless you. And uh, the and this is a wonderful way to 
begin some days of focusing on the Lord specifically. Of course, we do it regularly, but this is a time of corporate prayer and fasting. And believe me, God answers prayer. Turn to someone and say, God answers prayer. God answers prayer. And he's giving us a turnaround. Amen. Thank giving you us Lord. revival. So don't get, don't you let yourself get depressed. You know, when Jehoshaphat is a, such a great example. All these giant three <laughs> armies, four, whatever it was, that were coming against him. And he says, Lord, we are fasting, coming to you. And y as you have said, you have promised. If we turn to you in this house, a house of prayer, and call on your name, you are going to give us an answer. Amen. And you're going to Thank defeat you, the enemy. And the yes, enemy, yes, yes, the yes, Lord yes, set yes. ambushments against all the enemy. And they just had to go and take the prophet. So may the Lord destroy the enemies. When I saw all that scenario on Thursday with those red lights, and uh, calling all kinds of people fascists and all of that, I just said, my goodness, we need a revival. We need the Lord to wash this land yep. and bless Thank us and Jesus. renew. God bless America. Yes. Amen. Say, God bless America. God bless America. Amen. And he is mighty and he is able to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. We hope you enjoyed this message. To order more great resources by Mahesh and Bonnie Chavda, visit us at chavdaministries.org. For a full catalog of our products, you can call us at 1-800-730-6264. God bless you.